Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. It's good to see you this morning. Go ahead and get your Bibles up to to, uh, the book of Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, and we're going to be jumping into this passage here in just a few minutes. Get it and hold it. We're going to read a story from uh, that happened in the life of the ministry of Jesus. Hey, today I'm going to make you a challenge. And this is, a, this is a thinking message. I want you to think with me today. But I'm going to challenge you to really know yourself. Now, it's not, not some personality profile or anything like that. But I want you to know yourself. You might say, who, me? <laughs> yeah, you, you. <laughs> I want you to know how you tick and to understand some of the things. And I, what I've been praying about today is that God's going to open your heart, open your mind to some, some situations and some, some issues even in your own life that can be dealt with because you're going to know yourself better. I, I really believe you're going to know yourself better at the, by the end of this message. You see, God is leading you and God is guiding you down this path to what we call the full life. And, and that's, that's from John 10, 10. And the full life... Life to the full, that's our destiny. This is important. The full life is our destiny, but the full life is also the journey. And what God wants us to do is to thrive on the journey. He does. So that's why we say around here, it's, it's time to live. To, but, but, but I want you to really, really live. And it's not just some concocted uh, uh, you know, state of mind, but it's to live life to the full. So here's, you know, here's some questions I thought about concerning today's message. Do you possibly have some wrong beliefs about yourself? Um, how does garbage in your life actually affect your uh, existence? I mean, how, like, really, really, how is a Christian supposed to behave? And, and, and why? And what, is, what does God say about you and what does God say about your identity? Well, I, I'm going probe to probe into some of those questions today. And, uh, but, I, but I want you to understand these things and I want you to know these things because I also want you to thrive. I want you to thrive on that journey of life and life to the full. You see, back when I was uh, 18 years old, I was about to ship off to college, so leave home. Uh, I was living in a small, dusty West Texas. They called it a city. I just call it a nothing. But it was a, this this town called Alpine. Have you guys been to the big city of Alpine in West Texas? Oh my goodness, nobody. Well, you don't go. You don't go through Alpine. You go to Alpine. That's just that's the way it is. But uh, that was where my dad was pastoring, and 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 I was really certain. I was certain of the call of God in my life. But I needed to take this necessary next step to head off to college uh, because I wanted to gain the necessary foundation, uh, the educational foundation, to move forward. In, in my ministry that I felt God was calling me to do. And, and, uh, and I, I arrived at my college, and I'll be candid with you, in many ways I felt inferior uh, to the other students. Um, I was from a very small town that like nobody at school had ever heard of, kind of like you guys have never been there. Um, and, and people would even ask me where I was from, but I wasn't even really from there. I, I didn't even really have roots anywhere. And so it was difficult to say where I was from. And I would usually just make up some answer because we, we'd never really stayed in one place very long at all. I, I didn't have much money. Um, my parents weren't able to help me out very much at all. And, and I was headed off to college in the big city with no friends. It was the 
the big scary city. What am I going to do? You know, go to the big city. And, and what was happening there is I was beginning to create an identity for myself based upon my insecurities. Because in many ways, when I looked at the other students around me, I believed that I was like less than everyone else. That's the comparison trap, which is ridiculous. But we, we all do it to one degree or another. And, uh, you know, and for me, it was, uh, it was, it was tough. I mean, I, I, it took me five years to get through college. Uh, I had to work a full-time job. I was only able to carry about 12 hours per semester just to be able to, to, to do my job and to volunteer at the church and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, get through school, make decent grades. But I was struggling with my identity because I was comparing myself to other students the other students who would go home for Thanksgiving or go visit their parents for Christmas or, or, uh, or get to take the summer off, they'd be gone for three months. And that never happened because I just felt like, well, everything seems to come harder for me. This is just kind of the way, way it is, and I'm just kind of stuck. And, and, uh, and, and I, but, but I so clearly remember the moment it all started to shift in my mind. I was at a church service. At the church I volunteered at, and, 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 and I was there, and some speaker, and I can't even recall the speaker's name at all, but, but that speaker said something in that sermon, and that's the power of a sermon. You never know when God's just going to deal with something that's gonna, going, to, going to move your life in a different direction. But he said something that, had, that helped me to break out of um, even the spirit of inferiority. And, and I began to see, I began to see that day in that service, it was a Sunday night service, that I wasn't defined by my insecurities. I wouldn't, I did not have to be defined by my life circumstances. I didn't have to be defined by my family or my friendship levels. I mean, my, you know, even the number of friends or the networks of friends. I didn't have to be defined by my income level. And I want to say that to you as well. You are not defined by your struggles. I, I, I don't know what your struggles are. Um, is it a sin issue? Is it an inferiority challenge like what I had? Is it a physical malady? Is it a financial struggle? I, here's what I want to say. You're not defined by your struggles. Truth is, in this world, in this life, we all want to be generous. We all want our lives to have meaning. We all want significance. We all want to love and be loved. And we want, to, we want a worthy cause to contribute toward. I mean, that's, that's innate within us, which means we all want to live. We want to thrive. We, we, but, but we often define ourselves in a way that keeps us from our destiny. So how do we define ourselves? Well, the clear answer here is we are defined by what God says about us. You're defined by what God says about you. But the challenge is that most people don't know or even believe what God has to say about them and how, how they're actually defined. Um, what we tend to think and believe about ourselves is what other people have said about us. We believe what our prophet statement says about our ability to run a business. We, we believe our identity is based upon what our boss says on a performance review. We believe that our identity is based upon our, our bank balance or our financial portfolio, which is your net worth. Are you worthy or not? It's so interesting how that terminology works. Maybe what your spouse said to you or unloaded to you during an argument Maybe it's something your dad told you 20 or 40 years ago. And, and worse than that, 
we tend to only know what we tell ourselves about ourselves. That's the way we tend to operate. I just only seem to know and believe what I'm telling myself and what I'm believing about myself. And it just goes down into a, a spiral. You know, when we say things about ourselves, even whisper little things like, I'm such a loser. I hate my life. I'm, I'm so ugly. I'm worthless. I can't do it. I'll never follow through. And, and when we whisper those things, we're, 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 we're letting some of that out. And, and those are identities that we have to break. Now today, I'm going to challenge you to take one step or maybe two steps away from that. Away from some old ways of thinking and operating. Thinking and operating. Going to move away from that. Today, it's time to put some deadly thoughts and some toxic words behind you and keep them behind you. Now, here's what God says about you. We're starting here, all right? First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I want you to look at it. It's on the screen. Here's what God says about you. You are a chosen people. That means he chose you. <laughs> You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Now that's a beautiful way of stating that you are highly valued of God. That's what God thinks about you. Now, and, and now, now that we know it, I hope you'll begin to feel it. But chances are you'll still, you're still probably feeling unworthy. You might feel like you're not clean enough to match up to that. So we're going to deal with this head on. All right. I ask you to turn today to Mark chapter 7 and verse 15 in your Bibles. And while you're finding your place there, I want to set up the story for you in Mark 7, 15. Um, there was this, uh, there were these super religious men. They were called Pharisees. And they had, uh, they had traveled from the city of Jerusalem, which was the capital city, the, the center of, of the Jewish faith also at that time. And they were, they were wanting to go see Jesus because they had heard about his teaching and they had heard about his miracles. And so they left Jerusalem in search of Jesus. Uh, I don't, it doesn't say why. Maybe they were going to receive some ministry from him. Uh, maybe they were going to criticize him. I don't know. But they traveled some, probably about 75 to 100 miles searching for Jesus in the northern part of Israel. And when they located Jesus, these super religious, rule-loving people, uh, they discovered what something seemed to, something that seemed to them to be a huge flaw in the ministry of Jesus. Here's what was happening. Jesus' disciples were eating a meal. And these religious guys, they watched them eat their meal and noticed that they didn't do the Jewish religious ritual washings prior to eating the meal, okay? So the Pharisees, they were completely unnerved. And in their opinion, here's, here's how they, their thought processes work and what they forced on others. If the disciples were really spiritual, they would be following the customary washings, but they weren't. So in the minds of these, these Pharisees, um, this, this Jesus ministry team, this whole thing is invalidated because of that. And that's the kind of stuff they would communicate. I mean, the, the Pharisees believed that especially if you considered yourself like a spiritual leader or something like that, and you didn't do the Jewish ritual washings prior to eating, that the food would become defiled or polluted. Now follow their, their line of logic. And they believed that by swallowing 
defiled or polluted food, then the men themselves would come defiled, would become defiled and polluted. And polluted people can't do ministry. So they said, you know, these guys don't do ritual washings. This whole thing's a big joke, all right? So they confronted Jesus about it. And Jesus, he, I mean, he nailed them. Jesus was, I mean, he came back at them and he fired back at them. And he just said, what in the world are you talking about? He said, you guys, I mean, he, he talked about how they, how they totally disrespect their aging parents and how, and like, you don't even take care of the people in your family. You know what? He, he gets into some detail there and, and dealt with their own issues. And they didn't really have much to say about that because the truth is the truth is the truth. And then we get down to Mark uh, 7, 15. I want to pick up the story here because here he actually begins a little bit of teaching. Follow along here. Jesus says this now. He says, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out. Say those three words with me. What comes out. Come on, say it again. What comes out. It's rather what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. Like, oh, that was an interesting story, Jesus. And, and Jesus says, replies back to them, are you so dull? <laughs> you know, Jesus, he, he, so sometimes we think that he just walked around and said, oh, you're, you're so special. He's like, like are you so dull? Duh. So, so he says this to his, to his team. He says, are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them for, look, it doesn't go into their what? Heart. So, so really what Jesus is saying here is, is, is that the whole thing is a heart issue. But it goes into their stomach and then out of the body, and we'll let you figure that out on your own. All right. So, so he, he's making it clear. He's making it clear that these guys were so hung up on rules that they were missing the reality and the heart of what God desires from us. Because what comes, listen, what comes out of the heart is often what the problem is. See, he's using this word defile. You've already heard it a few times, but that word also means pollutes or to trash. Now it's about ready to hit home for us. Let's, let's get back to the scripture here. So, so, so Jesus went on. He says, what comes out of a person or comes out of the heart is what defiles or that I put the term in there pollutes them for it is from within out of a person's heart out of a person's heart seeing that that what comes what comes evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder adultery greed malice deceit lewdness envy slander arrogance and folly all these evils come from where inside and they defile or pollute a person. So again, those, those religious leaders had it all wrong. They, they weren't even close to the issue. Okay, so, so what Jesus did here is he gives us this long list of pollutants, the, the, this trash or this sinful activity. But where does it start? It starts with thoughts. Okay, so if you're dwelling on trash, if you're thinking about all the things that, you know, the, the, all of these things, and you're, you're spending time on that, you are actually defiling, or the better word, which is a, a word really that we would use more in our language, is you're polluting yourself. See, this is key. You are defiled, or really you are polluted 
by the evil you dwell on. And that's a fact. That's truth. I'm not talking about a fleeting thought. Uh, We all have those. But when you dwell on it and you dream up ways to do it and you scheme in your mind how to make it happen, then what happens is is that begins to uh, like like develop roots into your heart. And and and, and then you you begin like you you just you just keep thinking and thinking and thinking. Now I, I also know this though. Thinking about evil is not the same as doing it, right? But when you're dwelling on it, what you're doing to yourself is you are building a case in your mind of why and how you should do this certain thing. Okay? But didn't Jesus say that it has to come out of us to pollute? So how does that happen? Yeah? Well, it doesn't pollute just through the thoughts. It has to come out somehow. So now in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus gives us a clue on that. Here's what he says. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up where? In his heart. So you're bringing up the good in your heart. An evil man brings the evil things out of the evil, or again, there's that word, really, that means like pollution. He brings it out of the pollution that's stored up in his heart for Key words here, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now he's saying, Jesus is saying that all this stuff comes out of your heart. How does it come out of your heart? Through your what? Through your what? Mouth. Through your mouth. So the manifestation of the pollution begins in your mouth. It's your words. I mean, so many people wonder, uh, like, like when, or, when am I polluting myself? When am I crossing that line? Well, here it is. You want to know the pollution level of your own heart? Jesus makes it clear. He says, it's it's kind of hard to look inside, but your words actually reveal your heart. Our words tell us what's inside. I know sometimes there are those secret silent words that we rehearse in our minds and we whisper when nobody's around. And then the words that we release, especially towards those who are closest to us, your words reveal your heart heart. Really, what you're doing is you're speaking your mind. You're speaking your mind. You see, your mind is going to leak through your lips. Your mind is going to trickle out through your tongue. Quite often, your your thoughts are framed actually by even your fingers. It's what you're texting. It's what you're messaging. It's 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 what you're posting and and how you're commenting on social media. So so those are the ways you look at that, and you can determine really what the pollutant level even is of your own heart. And what, what's really interesting is when you start speaking your mind and you start just kind of letting it all hang out there, I mean, especially when you do it out on social media, you're revealing your heart to everybody else and it's there, you know? You just might be, by doing that, you just might though be polluting yourself, which is what Jesus talked about. Now, now Solomon also dealt with this in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 27. Let's take a look at that. Proverbs says, a scoundrel plots evil and on their lips on their lips it is like a scorching fire so you see the plotting of evil happens where in the what in the mind what and then it comes out of their what their mouths then he says a perverse person or or that's someone who's twisted or polluted stirs up conflict and a gossip how, how where does gossip come from your what your mouth separates close friends so you see the mouth is when the problems actually begin we pollute ourselves though with our words and then it causes problems everywhere. I mean, the trash starts stinking, right? 
The other day, um, we missed trash day, our once a week trash day at our house. Now, you can do that in the winter and get away with it, but you guys, come on, you know it is summer here in Texas, and it's getting hot. It's getting hot. And, and, and the trash was just sitting out there brewing in the heat, and, uh, and, and it just starts smelling so bad, and, and then, and, and, and the, and, well, I walked out there, it was horrible, it's like, oh, I just want to get in the house, and, and flies started coming around the next couple days, I mean, it was utterly disgusting, you guys know what I'm talking about, don't act like you've never done that before, all right, it was disgusting, and finally the next week, the trash made it out to the curb, and we were all happy for that, and, and, uh, I, I made sure that I didn't take it out, but the person who's responsible for taking it out to go to the curb did so, you know, I, I didn't want to be close to that stuff, but, when the trash cans made it back to back behind the house, I, you know, I walked up one of them and it still just stunk the same. And so I opened up one of those trash cans and I saw this brown liquid sludge inside of them. It was just this hideous liquid in the bottom. It's like, oh, you know, and I looked in there. Okay, guys, I'm just, can I just tell you my life? Is that all right? And maggots were swimming, swimming around in there. All right. Okay. And, and then, like, maggot eggs were everywhere. It was so gross. That's it. You know, that's it. I've had it. So I go, I'm, you know, I'm going in the house, and I get the Clorox, and I get the Pine Sol, you know. I'm making this big stuff outside, and I get the hose, and I'm spraying that thing out. And I, I dealt with it. I dealt with it and got it cleaned up, and I was happy. You know, after that, it's like, ah, oh, fresh trash can. Let's, you know, we can go, go, we can make this into a little swimming pool, you know, jump into it now. But you know what? Thinking about that trash can, that's what our lives are like when we allow evil thoughts, but then we accelerate them by verbalizing the stuff that's in our mind. And nobody wants to be around that. You stink, and it's putrid. Let's just be honest. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, Paul says it this way. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk. Now, something that's wholesome. You think of, so what's, what's wholesome? You think of like some good bread or some good food at the house that's good and wholesome. But the putrid, nasty stuff that's been sitting in the trash outside in Texas for two weeks, that's not wholesome anymore, all right? So you see the difference here. So do not let any unwholesome talk like trash, putrid, polluted, trashy talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit the people who are listening. So what comes out of our mouths, basically it's what we've been rehearsing in our minds. And what we've been rehearsing in our minds, follow it backwards, is what has been dwelling in our hearts. And if we have polluted talk, it comes from a polluted mind, which actually has a polluted heart. So what do we do? This is important, guys. This is key. You gotta listen to your words. That right there is how you know if your heart is being defiled. You listen to your words. That's, you want to know how to know yourself? You want to know how to know yourself? Listen to your words. It's really, God, God made it simple for us because we need it. We're dense. Read your social media comments and your posts. <laughs> and here's the good deal. It's so simple. If you're seeing that stuff in your life, know this. If you're seeing that trash and that putrid stuff, like, well, God loves you. He's not abandoned you, and he's not trying to figure out a really good punishment to destroy you. (laughs) 
He's not kicking you out of the family. What he wants you to do is just clean it up. Now, here's a little, here's a little experiment. When you go home today, I want you to walk into your kitchen, and I want you to just do yourself a favor and sniff the air, all right? What would happen if you smell ugly trash there in your house? Well, if your house is stinking, what do you need to do? Take the trash out. It's simple. You get, you get rid of the pollution that's in your castle, and because the, look, this is, this is so good. You get this. The longer the pollution stays in the castle, the worse it gets, the more it piles up, and then it ruins the atmosphere of the castle, your home, okay? But that doesn't mean it's not your home anymore. That doesn't mean the function of it has changed at all. It is still what it has always been. It just has some pollutant in there that needs to be dealt with. So what do you do? You take the trash out, right? You get all that. But it's the same with us. God made it really simple for us. So, so we need to do these self-exams and we need, we need to listen to what's coming off our lips. And if, if you don't like what you're smelling, so to speak, uh, if you're taking a big whiff of the scent of your life and it smells polluted, you just need to do something. Take action. If your life is stinking, you need to take your own trash out. All right? I'm going to be praying for that here in just a few minutes. But remember, this is so important because this is where a lot of people get confused. The presence of the pollution doesn't change your identity. See, I started off this message talking about your identity because it's most important we know who I am, who you are. The presence of the pollution doesn't change the identity of your house, right? No, the presence of the pollution doesn't change the identity of who you are, but it stifles your identity, it hinders your purpose, and in fact, the pollution in your life can get so overwhelming Often, it will make people doubt their own identity. And what happens when we're stifled and we're hindered and we're doubting? A lot of times we give up. Like, why try? I've let God down. Hey, listen to me, guys. You've not let God down. You've just let yourself down by not keeping the trash out. Take out the trash. Get that defiling pollution out of your life. And here's how you know you will be making progress. You'll know you'll make progress because your words are going to start to change. Yes, your actions will change also, but you gauge your pollution level by listening to your own words. A lot of people in today's culture especially will say, well, I don't know what's right and what's wrong. I mean, the scripture lists it very clearly, but the, the way we test it is we know it's actually tested by our own words. And, you, and, and the beautiful thing is you also have the Holy Spirit to help you. And, and I, I am all about us engaging the full power of the Holy Spirit because he will convict you and he will show you where the trash is so he can help you take it out. Do, do you know that the Holy Spirit is the image of the dove, right? Most of you know that. You know that. But what's a dove? A dove is just a pretty pigeon. It is. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is, you know, listen. What's the purpose of a pigeon? What are pigeons known as? They're actually known as trash birds. They're trash birds. They go and find the trash, and they sort through it, and they pull it out. And the Holy Spirit wants to sort through and remove the trash. It's polluting your life. And that, my friend, is awesome. 
Guys, engaging the power of the Holy Spirit and letting him do this in you is critical to our advance. And it, it is, I believe it's, it's critical for us thriving. That's why like the Holy Spirit workshop is not some cute event. No, it is a serious event for us to let God get on board with our lives and for us to see the infused power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. I, I want, that's why I want all of you guys to be here for the Holy Spirit workshop. Saturday morning, July 13th. I don't care if Preston said it was the 14th. It is the 13th, all right? <laughs> The slide was right, all right? He's confused. He, I don't know, maybe. But, but uh, <clears throat> see, the Holy Spirit wants you to thrive. <clears throat> what, what does he do? He gives you power for right living. The Holy Spirit transforms you on the inside. He, he gives you authority over yourself. Some of you may have authority, like in a job or a career or a position. You might have authority over people. But the Holy Spirit's not going to give you more authority over, over people. Because he doesn't care about that. He wants to give you more authority over yourself. And really, honestly, isn't that what we all want? And, and then what's going to happen is you're going to start hearing different words come out of your mouth. Words that don't defile. Words that give praise to God. Faith declarations. And you're going to begin to speak life to your family. Life into your home. You're going to speak life into your church. Life into your business. Because that's who you are. You are now a conduit of the Holy Spirit. God's hand is on you. And he's actually making a fresh identity come real in your life. Who you've always been is who he is making you. I like it. Okay, now I want to read that passage from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 that I read at the very, very beginning. But this time I want to read it from the message version of the Bible because I'm hoping this is all going to come together for you now, all right? Remember, this is what God wants for you. This is who you are, and this is how God makes you thrive. Look at it on the screens. You are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him and to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Friends, this world is not your home. I talked about that last Sunday. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life. Why is this? Because God's in you, all right? So live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. You know what? The biggest shift in Christianity in our nation will happen when people in the world see the actions of believers refuting their prejudices. It's right here. It's always been in the scriptures. And they'll be won over to God's side, and they will be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. You want to get more people to come into heaven, you start living this way. You start walking out the destiny God's already put on your life. Then he goes on to say, make the master proud of you by being good citizens. What, good, good citizens? Yeah, good citizens even here on this earth. Even though this earth is not, we don't have our citizenship here. Citizenship is heaven, but our temporary citizenship is here, right? So what does it say? You respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. I ran a stop sign the other day, and the guy I pulled me over, and he said, Sir, did you, you, you ran a stop sign. I was like, yes, sir, I know. And I realized I did wrong, and, you know, I, 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 that was dumb. I, 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 was, I was wrong. Um, and I, I also appreciate all you guys do, and the way you put your lives on the line. He just looked at me and said, well, I'm just going to write you out a warning. <laughs> Thank you, God. I didn't do all that just to get a warning, but... I just thought I was going to be a Christian. 
it is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think that you're a danger to society. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everybody you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family, your church family. (laughs) Revere God and respect the government. That is so good. That is so good. That was actually written during the reign of Nero also. Wow. See, this Second Peter chapter two, that's who you are and this is how you behave and this is our calling in Christ Jesus and God wants to help us with heart transformation because there's always progress yet to be made. There's always something that needs to change and your best really is yet to come. And I want to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for you right now, but I also want you to be at that Holy Spirit workshop Saturday in a week from Saturday because I really believe that's going to be a turning point for many of you as well. Will you just receive this prayer of God? I just pray, Spirit of God, that you will transform hearts in this room, that you will tame tongues and you'll cleanse lips. And you, God, I, I ask that you equip and empower every one of us to be instruments of healing and praise through our words and our life. God, that we will speak the truth and we'll speak it in love. We'll be undefiled. And that we'll, we'll be no longer slaves to old, uh, decrepit, thought processes, no longer slaves to sinful practices. God, make us new on the inside. Let your Holy Spirit clean us up as we strive to clean ourselves up because we want to be more like you. We want to live out our real identity in Jesus' name. Please no movement right now because I do want to pray one more prayer. I want you just to Look into your own life because you possibly are in a position right now where you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. And if you want to know the Jesus that we do talk about and preach about here, you want a new beginning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond and respond just simply by lifting your hand. Knowing this is that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine and he died for you so that you can have life and have it to the full. And now, today, some of you need to make the choice that it's time for me to live. So I'm going to give a prayer here in just a moment. Before I give that prayer, I want to know who's praying with me. So if that's you, you're ready to give your life to Jesus. At the count of three, will you just lift your hand for me so I can see you and connect my faith with you? Will you do that? One, two, three. Lift your hand for me. That's you. I want to make this decision to follow Jesus. Good. Here's what I'd like for us to do. Church, will you just pray these words with me right now? If you lifted your hand... I want you to pray this as well. Mean it from the bottom of your heart. Church, pray it with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the son of God. So today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for new life. It is time for me to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.